Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Let's just pray again. Eternal Father, we ask you now that you would settle our hearts, settle our minds, Settle our spirits in your presence. Challenge us and deal with us. Lord, if you must convict us, compel us, whatever you deem fit, Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to understand thy word, but more that your Son, the Lord Jesus, would be exalted lifted up and glorified in all of our hearts and in our midst. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way and move upon us. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. This is part two of putting first things first. Putting first things first. Now, we won't go into last week too much, but we looked at these three men whom have been in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're told in verse 57, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, notice, a certain man said unto him, unto the Lord Jesus, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thy goest. Then we looked at the second man, verse 59. Jesus says to another, notice, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. And then we're told in verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. Here's these three men. And he says then, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home, not my house. I want to put this into three categories this morning. First of all, there are those who are challenged with putting things first, and they decide on their luxuries rather than Christ. Secondly, there are those who are challenged with their duties. And they allow their duties to come in the way of following Christ. And then, of course, thirdly, there are those who are challenged with our families. And we allow our families to come before the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, luxuries. Secondly, duties. Thirdly, families. 
So in chapter 9, verse 58, the man who proclaims, he comes to Christ, he says to him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest, in verse 57. Then in verse 58, Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Here's the challenge. I want to follow you, Lord. Jesus says, well, it's not going to be easy. And you think today in the 21st century from not so many years ago into the 20th century, we were getting so many preachers and sadly coming from Pentecostal through charismatic ways. So your seed of $1,000 and everything will be fine. And that's a lie. That is a false gospel. We have also others who would say, you know, come to Jesus and everything will be great. Everything will be easy and everything will be fine. That's a lie. Jesus says in this world you'll have trouble or tribulation. So that's a lie too. So luxuries should never get in the way of serving Christ, following Christ. The fact is, I didn't realize there was a devil until I got saved. Because the devil already owned me and I served him well. Then when I stopped serving him and came under new management under the blood of Christ and was saved by his sovereign grace, I realized the devil was mad at me. So he wants to throw things at us. He wants to do what he can. But brothers and sisters, I want to let you know that those of us who are saved are secure. Secure in Christ. And notice this. This man may or may not be looking for a luxurious lifestyle. I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus says, foxes of holes, birds of the air of nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Was he still willing to give up earthly pleasure and follow the Lord? You come to think now with many preachers that if you're not living a luxurious, jet-setting lifestyle, you must be out of favor with God. That's a lie. That's a lie. Was he willing to leave his worldly comforts to be in the company of Christ? Ah, let's forget about the high-ranking uh, jet-set lifestyle. Let's bring it down to our own comforts, our own pleasures. And brothers and sisters, are we willing to put luxuries aside that we deem necessary, more than necessary, are we willing to set them aside in order to have the company of Christ? See, this is where the Christ speaks to the heart. And so what happens when we bring a message like this, we find that the sheep rejoice. And the goats, well, they know no better for their own sake. Nah, not giving up my stuff. But then there are sheep who will start to rebel. 
I want to keep my lifestyle and I can live how I like and I can do what I want as I wish because I'm under grace. Brothers and sisters, I have already said, I've prayed it. I thank God for his grace every day. I live in grace. Grace is not a license for us to sin. But grace is an unction for us to live for Christ. Was this man willing to give up his worldly luxuries? I don't know, maybe he didn't have much, but Jesus says, here's my life. Are you willing? Are you willing to put yourself on the line? Are you willing to take your stand for me? Are you willing to say, well, it may cost me, but I want to follow you, Jesus. I want your company. I want your fellowship. I want you, Lord. It doesn't matter what it costs me, whether it's foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests and you have nowhere to lay your head. I will follow thee. Listen to the word, whithersoever thou goest. What if he takes us to a foreign land? I've told you, I prayed, I'll do anything, Lord. I'll go anywhere for you. I prayed it for years. And one day, walking over a golf course, I was stopping, it was about seven in the morning, and I was walking up and down over the hills about praying, there was no one around. And I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. The Lord says, right, I want you to sell every, or give away everything you have and go to the mission field. You're going to Romania. Lord, but don't send me there. We've just got our house all newly decorated and our house has just been all renovated. It was a dump before that. Now it's all lovely and we're only in a three months. You want to follow me? There's a cost. Salvation is free, but there's a cost for my company. I remember I said, Lord, why will I tell Alison this? Lord, would you speak to her? By the time I went home, Alison was in tears in the living room. She says, the Lord spoke to me and we have to give everything away and go to the mission field. <laughs> and so we did. So we did. Lord, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Let's be careful because you might just get what you pray for, brother, sisters. And challenged with that which we say to the Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. If he says you will, then go over to Afghanistan or go over to Syria and, and preach the gospel. Uh, well, we'll go when it settles down. <laughs> Unfortunately, it gets even worse than that for there are many Christians can't get the victory over the duvet on a Sunday morning to come around his table. Hello? Isn't that right? They can't gee themselves away from their favorite TV broadcast on a Sunday evening to go to God's house to hear the gospel. It's our luxuries. Jesus, he doesn't put any punches here, and he says, I have nowhere to lay my head. Do you still want to follow me? Do you want to come close to me? Do you want to hear my teaching? Do you want my fellowship? Yes, Lord says, and you have a lot to do here. Let's go. So we notice here that he says, the foxes of holes, birds of the air of nests. What he's saying is, this man, does he really know what he's asking for? 
Does he realize what he's proclaiming to Christ? Does he even know his own heart? Now, if you look last week at the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Brethren, sisters, I have something to tell you. See if you stay close to Christ. That's your heart. It's mine. And do you know what happens whenever we get hurt the most is in church. Do you know why? Because we thought those people were close to Christ and they come out with the most evil lies and vile things. And they come out with it when their heart is not in tune with Christ. But now let me flip the coin. So do we. So do you. Here we find the Lord is speaking directly to this man's heart. In Matthew 26 and verse 22, the Lord is instituting, as it were, the Last Supper, breaking bread. And he tells him that someone's going to betray him and, and that he'll go to the cross, or he's going to die. And Matthew 26 and verse 22, it says, And they, the disciples, were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Am I going to betray you? Do you know what they were saying? I don't even know my own heart. I don't even know my own heart. Notice this. In Proverbs 17 and verse 8, this is what it says. A gift is a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it. Whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. The idea is that when we have things, it's like a precious stone to us. It's our treasure. It's our gift. And that gift that we have, it may be job, it may be money, it may be family, whatever it may be. We treasure it so much that even whether whatsoever it turns us, it profits because it takes our heart. It's the idea of this. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So brothers and sisters, where is our heart? Where is our heart? Far from God. Where is our heart? And is our heart in a treasure somewhere else? Or is Christ our heart's desire? Is Christ your treasure? When I was over in Scotland at the weekend, there was a the pastor that brought me out for lunch, and he said he was speaking to a woman who was in the place they were the hotel I was staying in, and he ended up she says he says I can't get it through to this woman every time he brings speakers over, and she keeps saying, "I'm Church of Scotland, I'm Church of Scotland, isn't it wonderful to be Church of Scotland? All this Scottish new, I'm Church of I'm not very good Scottish accent, but okay the new." But she says, oh, I'm Church of Scotland. He says, she's very polite, nicely spoken. But he says, I've spoken to her many, many times. I'm Church of Scotland. I'm Church of Scotland. And I keep trying to tell her, he says, forget Church of Scotland. Uh, where are you with Christ? I'm not saying anything about people in the Church of Scotland. But what I'm saying is, where are you with Christ? It's not 
C-E-T, Christ Encounters Tabernacle. It's Christ. Seeing him, loving him, knowing him, yielded to him, serving him, following him, listen, whithersoever he goeth. And so if our heart's treasure is Christ, then we will follow where our heart, and if he is our precious gift given by his Father, and then if he is the gift, and we turn it on Proverbs 17 and 8, a gift is a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it, then Christ is our precious stone. And whithersoever it turns, or he turns, it prospers. You see, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. The things that are our luxury shall be added unto you. First, Christ first. And on this verse of Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I have taken a quotation by an old uh, preacher called Richard T. France. Listen to what he says on this verse. What this verse demands is, therefore, a commitment to find and to do the will of God. To ally oneself totally with his purpose. And this commitment must come first. First things first. In Revelation 14 and verse 4, there are a crowd robed in white. And they're asked who they are. And it says, these are they who follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Where he may lead me, I will go. For I have learned to trust him so. His divine will is sweet to me. It's hallowed by blood-stained Calvary. Jesus shall lead me. Night and day, Jesus shall lead me all the way. He is the true west friend to me, for I remember worthy. He's worthy. So was he truly willing to put, as it were, his money where his mouth is? I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now the second person, the second person in this portion of scripture is called by the Lord. The man came to the Lord, the first one. The second one is called by the Lord. In verse 59 it says, and he said to another, follow me. So Jesus turns to a man, whether he's the other man, first man's friend, 
or whether he's a relative or whether he's just standing beside him, he turns to the other and he says, follow me. Now, it seems that this man is taken by surprise. It seems as though Christ has taken him by surprise. Speaking suddenly from one man, foxes of hoes, the birds of the air of nests, and the Son of Man is not where to lay his head. He turns to another and says, follow me. Oh dear. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, Lord. And many times the call of God comes. The challenge of Christ comes. And even the conviction of heart comes. And it comes suddenly at the moment that you and I least expect it. I remember when I got saved 21 years ago. And I remember that I was in a courtroom on a Friday and was held for contempt of court because I was a bad boy. And I went out that afternoon when they let me out. And I went out on the drink and I went down on the drugs Friday through to the early hours of Sunday morning. Couldn't have told you the whole weekend. And I ended up getting into fights on the Saturday night. And I had to get took out of the town for some. I was going to end up getting killed. I can't remember much about it. And I remember going down and coming into a house down in York Road, not far from where I lived, and there was a party going on. I remember sitting there, and sitting there was four girls sitting in a row, four women, young women sitting in a row. They're all talking, and I knew them all. And one of them happened to turn around and say to me, I'm out of my head. I'd had enough of life. I was going that night. That morning, it was morning when I had left, I was going to finish my life. And one of these young women, whether I couldn't tell you whether they were drinking or drugs or what they were on, said to me, here we were just talking about you, Ken. We heard they mentioned a friend's name. They heard it had got good living. That's what the unsaved think you are when you're saved. You're good living. It's not about good living. But we know that. We hear you're good living. Or the, uh, this person's good living. I said, right, okay. Well, what do I care? <laughs> you know, it's nothing to me. And one turns to me and says, Ken, would you ever think of becoming good living? I, I, I didn't know what to say. I started cursing and swearing. All these words coming out, take yourself off. And I got angry. That was the early hours of a Sunday morning. I went to a house, and I don't know what I did, but I woke up in the middle of the afternoon with people trying to revive me to bring me around with my face swollen, eyes like two slits, really ill. And within, I don't know, I'm trying to guess, I can't remember much, within an hour or two, I was sitting under the sound of the gospel and I got saved. That was the night I got saved. That's the night I saw Christ by faith on the cross dying for me. And I seen him. Oh, what a wonder. I'll never forget that. And I never look back. Oh, I've had trials and troubles and I've had temptations, yes. And my early days, yes, but I never look back. But here's what I'm saying to you. From early that morning, people saying, would you ever become good living, as it were? 
till within hours, I'm born again of the Spirit. <laughs> the call came suddenly, son, it's you. You see, what happens is Jesus turns to this man and he says, follow me. Look, who, me? Would you ever come to meet this man, Jesus? No, I would not. Suddenly he's there and Jesus said, I want you. Oh, sweet election of God. Notice this. It also may come quickly, that is the call, not only to the hour of salvation, but to your process of sanctification in the Spirit. We're going along happily and we think we're doing well in our Christian life and suddenly the Holy Ghost, he turns around and he says, give me that. Lay that down. Stop that. Go fix that. Put that right. Get your act together. Sanctifying. Sanctification process of keeping us separate from worldly activities. Convicting our hearts. Convincing us to go on in God. And suddenly we think, well, we're all right in this little, as the Catholic Church would put a little venial sin, you know, the sins that don't matter too much. And we have them. And suddenly the Spirit speaks and he says, that's enough. Oh, the challenge comes. What about my luxuries? What about my duties? Sometimes it happens as well when God wants us to minister, whatever that ministry may be. I don't want to do that. But the Lord says, well, I tell you to do it. I stopped preaching for 10 months one time. Hot enough. See, sometimes our brother Ronnie preaches, and I'm not sure how he feels. There's a lot of times you get flack for things, you know. Especially when you're a pastor, and you just get flack left, right, and center. Sometimes you get wore out. You're tired spiritually, mentally, even physically. And I leave here on a Sunday night usually. I don't know whether I'm blew up or stuffed. And one time I said, that's it, I'm not preaching anymore. I stopped preaching for 10 months and had engagements in over in the mainland in London and so on. And I cancelled them all. I'm not going. I had the worst 10 months of my life. I was rebelling. No. It's too hard. I don't want it anymore. Please don't. So see, when you're preaching, it's not because you want to say something. It's because you have something to say. Because you have what he has to say. But when you want to say something, then that's different. That's when it comes from the preacher, not the God who sent him. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Ten months. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. Ten months later, the Lord brought me to my knees. And that calling... Follow me. Okay. I'll do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love preaching. <laughs> My middle name should have been Long Winded Davidson. <laughs> And so, the Lord calls this man, it seems very quick, seems very sudden. 
And the Lord speaks to hearts. He speaks to the conscience. And sometimes it's so quick. Follow me. So the man turns around and look at what he says. Time has actually run out. You'll give me another five minutes. There's a no hurry yet, are you? Who put... Three years are going to give me five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why my middle name was. <laughs> um, okay. This man says, he says, follow me. Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Now surely the Lord wouldn't be that inconsiderate. A man wants to go. His daddy's died. He wants to go and bury him. That's not what it means. This is when our love of duty takes over our love for Christ. The idea of this is the man said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go home and see when my daddy dies. I'm going to bury my daddy. That's my duty. I'll follow you then. I don't even know if his daddy was even ill. The idea was his daddy had no notion of that. He's probably like Jacob. He was like an old creaking gate. He kept thinking he was dying. He kept going on and on and on. Let me, let me first do my duties at home. And the Lord says, no, you follow me now. Here's the urgency of the call. Brothers and sisters, let the Spirit speak this morning. Let the Word of God speak to them this morning. It's not duty first. It's Christ. It's Christ. So this man was wanting just to wait. Whenever his father would die, then he would bury him. The Lord said, suffer, he said, suffer me first, Lord, to go bury my father. Now, look at Jesus' reply. Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Notice, let the dead bury their dead. You're going to follow me, but you're going to go. But I want to follow you. No, but you're going to go. And you're going to go and preach. Christ was calling this man out that he would be a preacher of the word. And see, when we're saved, we're not saved to sit, but we're saved to serve. Saved to serve. Go and preach. Lord, I am but a child. He says, I'll fill your mouth. Go and preach. Go serve in the service I've given you. The duties of nature, the duties of earth, are natural to us to want to carry them out. But they should never be carried out at the expense of the call of God and our duties for his kingdom. This man was being called to service, to office, and to preach. But he seems to be caught off guard by the words of Christ. And the words of Christ were a greater swell than the man's little heart could contain. Follow me. <gasps> Let the dead bury their dead. If God called you today, whether that be ministry, or whether that be to the cross, or if God called you today into fellowship closer with him, or if God called you in death, Are you ready? I'm saved. Well, then you're saved. You'll never stand in judgment and praise God for it. 
but will you be ashamed? The bema seat of Christ is for the believer, not for their sin, but for their service. And one person once prayed in the meeting we were in, Lord, there'll be many beamers at the bema. Red-faced. Should have done better. This man says, Lord, let me go first. He was procrastinating on what Christ was calling him to. And I'm afraid the third point we're going to bring is a bit longer, so we'll do it in the Lord's will next week. But next week, why it's longer is because the Lord wants his word in every fiber of our nation, from monarchy and government, from prince to pauper. He wants his word to be preached, listen, in the church. Imagine saying that. The word has to be preached in the church. My word, not my word, his word. But my goodness. He wants the word to be preached at home. Every fiber of our home. And he wants the word to be known and, and taught among our families. And the word of God should be written in our hearts. I'm going to look at some of these things next week. God thought of the nation. And he tells the nation of how to farm. Imagine God speaking how to farm to get the best out of the crops of the land. What to eat. To keep in health. Imagine God telling us how to act in your family life and your children. Imagine God getting interfering with your marriage, which he instituted, by the way, between one man and one woman. Imagine the Lord telling us in 1 Corinthians 7, a man and a wife, not to, not to abstain too long from one another. To save temptation and the devil coming. God cares that much about you and about our families. He wants us, he wants to be in everything to do with our lives. Now, the third one will be families. We'll look at it. It'll take away longer next week. See, some people think, oh, God's only this wee God in the box who I leave at church and come back on Sunday and say hello to him. And some people, well, put it like this. They're so narrow-minded, they could see through a keyhole with both eyes at the same time. That's all they see, that little bit. I want to open the doors, open the word, and let the spirit out. <laughs> let the word of God flow, be in all of our community and all of our lives. Folks, time has flown. Thank you for your attention.